Oh, dude, that was clutch. That was the best one we've ever had I, on here, I, I don't think. think I had any doubt, though, because you should be excellent by now at playing <laughs> unison double stops. So <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, man. We're up here in Ohio again. Got to sit down with, I guess, current Mr. Rhythm X himself, Ryan Ellis. I don't know. You probably march more years of Rhythm X than anybody that I know. Uh, is it six? Six. Six, six years? Good Lord. That's got to be... Is anybody else marched more? Do you know of? I don't, I don't you... know if anybody else has marched more. Tim Jackson has marched six, for sure. There might be one more. Obviously, they've been involved with it from the beginning, Tim yeah. and them, but yeah. There can't be many that have marched six or more. Yeah. Especially, I don't think Mike ever Davis a snare did drummer. five, right? He did five, yeah. I wonder how many Josh did. Three, Josh, four? Yeah. Four, yeah. I think it was four. All right, well, we'll get into that more anyway. But found our way back up to the great state of Ohio uh, that Mike hates, though, because of all the cottonwood. Destroys his allergies. Not a good time. I don't know how I march drum corps. I really don't. But yeah, got to squeeze in some time here with Ryan that we'll get into. He's in between tours and gigs with Crossman, I guess, teaching now and doing some System Blue stuff, um, and then gearing up for summer ahead. But yeah, so before we go any further, uh, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast with your hosts Mike Fantini and Evan Worrell. There's no inflection this time. I didn't do the uptick. I, I kind of like it when you don't do the uptick. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to put you down or anything. But, uh, I was feeling very manly today. I just kept right. it as bassy as possible. <laughs> well, like Evan said, our guest today is the infamous Ryan Ellis. If you, unless you were living under a rock for a while and haven't watched anything, <laughs> you probably have seen him somewhere on YouTube or movie theater screens or warm-ups, whatever. This guy has marched a ton of indoor drumline, drum corps, and so I guess... We'll just start today like we normally do. We'll let him give a brief overview of his marching career. We have a few topics we want to hit after that, and then we'll just see where it takes us. So, Ryan, how, how did you, you get your start? Uh, well, I'm from Lebanon, Ohio. Um, I got my start to drum corps in 2012 at Spirit of Atlanta uh, after being cut at the Madison Scouts. You can go into that if you want to. Did, did you end up beating the Scouts that year? No. Okay. Uh, no. I think they were, what year uh, was that? 2012, they that did was, the... That was the first year Bettis went. Oh, is that, they did like the army show or something? No, no, that was the year after. It was uh, okay. picture frames or something. Drumline was pretty good. Are there yeah. any good stories involved in that cutting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a good story. Go All for right, it. All uh, right, so... Oh, man, I gotta get myself back there. Uh, <laughs> it Taking him way back. Yeah, so I would have been 16 at the time. It's my junior year of high school. It would have been January, maybe. It was the last audition camp of the year, so they were gonna set the line. Uh, like I said, it was the first year Bettis went, and there was like Frank Chapel, James Farling, Jeff Brooks, that whole crew. Frank um, is an intense dude. I didn't get to work with him a ton. Who I know that he's like a legend. Frank Chapel, he's down in Texas I now. Heard but, of him. Uh, but I was going to audition for Spirit originally. I was in private lessons with Jared Thomas. I expressed my interest in Marsh Drum Corps. And he was like, have you thought about Madison? And I was like... Yeah, maybe, but why? And then he, you know, he had his connection with James Barling. They were pretty tight. Um, so I ended up auditioning, got through the first couple camps, got the last one. Um, it was like ten or eleven guys for eight spots. So I was pretty close. It was right on the verge. And I remember being in an ensemble, like full drum corps ensemble, and Lee Bettis was there for the first time, and we were running some chunk, and it was like top to A, and we did it the first time, and then only person in the entire corps played on. Like, one or two beats. Like, just whatever. Like, one paradiddle or whatever it was. And so, of course, you, like, immediately, like... Destroy the, yourself yeah, inside. Right. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to ruin this. So then we, whatever, same chunk. And I did the exact same thing. Like, two times in a <laughs> row, exact same thing. 
And Lee Bettis, I remember I could see him. We were, like, behind the horn arc. I could see him in the front. He, like, stands up in his Maple Leafs jersey, and he's like, who was that? He, like, yelled, and I was like, man. <laughs> I raised my hand. I was like, I'm, I can't just let somebody else take the heat for this. I got to own it. And I did, and then, I mean, I, at that point, I was like, this probably isn't going to work out. Like, <laughs> at an audition this tight, like, it's probably not going to work. So, oh, they man. told me, I I think James ended up telling me I was too young, which at the time, I was like, well, I've been this age the whole time. And I was like, oh, wait, I did kind of just... Mess that up. Yeah, I did kind of show my age there. Yeah, amount, but So after that, I ended up uh, auditioning for Spirit that summer. Made Spirit. Uh, after that, marched Rhythm X for six years. And then I, uh, for drum corps after Spirit, I went to Blue Coats for two summers and then Blue Devils for three summers. So six years of in, six seasons of indoor, not counting high school, and six seasons of drum corps. top 12 Division One drum corps. Spirit make finals that year? Yeah, we got 11th. So top six years that of is, top man, 12 Division One drum corps, mm-hmm. which it's is nuts. So let's... Well, I guess you made your jump from... So what kind of influenced your decision on where to go to from there? Obviously, you started off with Spirit, um, then decided to go to Blue Coast. Was that because of the Rhythm X connection and the people that also worked there? Yeah, I mean, there was, there was a, a large number of reasons. I mean, uh, being from Ohio, Blue Coast was kind of like the core. I had like... There was like... You know, I had a couple like core crushes growing up, um, but Blue Coast was definitely one of them. Like the... 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 area. It was really, like, I remember marching and seeing 2012, which you were in, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that was my age. And job. seeing 2012, and I think it's still one of my favorite books to date that Tom has written, um, and the drumline was immaculate, and I was like, all right, I want to be a part of that. And then it helped that once I had made Rhythm X, Tom Gasparini was my center snare at Rhythm X, and I'd just gotten hired at Coates and came up to me and was like, you should think about auditioning for Blue Coats. And I was like, that sounds great. Like, let's Deal. Do that. Yeah. Helps to so, know people, man. Yeah, it does. It really, it really does. does, so... Yeah, it seemed like the obvious choice after that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you did 2013 14, that was the America, America show, show and show. Tilt, mm-hmm. right? So both fun shows. So do you remember you... me being on tour for two weeks in 2013? Yeah, yeah, I do. That was a weird two weeks, man. I've told him so many times. Like, like, I, I didn't, didn't even know what they wanted me to do. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Like, so I, I was brought on as a visual staff member to work with the battery on visual stuff, like drill, uh, whatever. But, so technically, I wasn't on percussion staff. That wasn't my thing. So I was at visual block with you guys, but nobody really even then told me what I was supposed to be doing. So I started like ticking dots and like Chris Sear kept bugging me like, dude, like give him dot quizzes and stuff. And I was like, I would have frick, I would have hated doing that if I was a member. So I like gave you all a few of them on the first few dots and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is stupid. And so I stopped. And then like Roger didn't really know, I feel like what I was supposed to be doing. Like was I on percussion staff? Should I be at sectionals? Should I not? I didn't really know where I was supposed to be half the time or like Limbo. what yeah. I was supposed to be doing. So it was a very interesting summer. And like Frankie's better than me. And he was the center, but I was like teaching in some aspects. So it was, I marched with him the winter before. It was a very interesting experience. Did you all feel it was weird? I mean, that summer, that summer was kind of crazy because the. First of all, it's, it's one of the best quad and bass lines I've ever marched with. Like they were so stacked. It was unbelievable. They were very good. It was almost and, all the same guys from the summer Yeah, before. it was a lot of vets, tons of talent. They were really good, and the stand line was all rookies. And we had two vets. because uh, Joe got hurt, Jay, right? Ash, and Joe were both going to march. And I I mean, I know the injury that Joe had with his thumb, and I think that Jay, Ash had the exact same injury, actually. That's weird. Um, weird. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So within, you know, and it, I mean, Joe's happened at a Rhythm X rehearsal, but I, I think that Jay told us like the same week or within the, a very close time frame of, of Joe's. So we lost our only two vets in a very short period of time. And then Frank became the center and we had to pick up some more people because we lost them. Mm-hmm. 
and it was, I mean, it was, it was a hard summer for sure. Cause again, it was like, we had, we had experience. I mean, we, I think comparable to blue coats, it was probably one of the least experienced blue coats and airlines. Like they usually get more talent than that. Um, not that we were bad, but it, especially comparatively to the baseline of the quad line, like you could feel it almost pressure. like, yeah. Well, sure. the baseline and the quad line were obviously already integrated a little bit deeper into like the blue coat style. Like yeah. Frankie, who's stuff. now the center because Joe got hurt, yeah. has experience, but it's at a different drum corps mm-hmm. where they play totally different culture, a little bit different, totally different playing style, uh, like right. all definitely that different stuff. playing style. But I remember when I left, cause I talked. Jared Thomas was on tour working with the bass drums those two weeks that I was there, and I remember talking to him all the time, and and we were like, just like man, because you, it was early tour. It was like the mm-hmm. first two weeks of, of tour after spring training that I was there. Yeah, it was like uh, Pittsburgh. Right? Well, I hopped on there? at the first show. You guys were at a show in Kentucky, and I came on to do Suvi stuff with Josh Snead. For like three days, just for fun. Remember that. And uh, Chris Sear and Tim Jackson were like, hey, we have a lot of visual people leaving. What if you didn't leave for two weeks and just kind of stuck around and helped? (laughs) Okay. All right, sure. But, um, oh, crap, where was I going with this? Uh, I don't know. Probably you were talking to Jared Thomas. Yes. I think it would probably have to do with the snare line. Yes. Yeah, okay, here we go. (laughs) So, (laughs) I got sidetracked. So, we would talk throughout those whole two weeks, like, man, they, they... I think they'll figure it out. Like you guys were figuring it out, but like you said, you guys weren't bad. You definitely figured it out in the last two weeks of the summer, I feel like. Because I left tour, and a lot of stuff was rough. Like, I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you oh, what, no, no, what I, I thought. Like, it, was, it was like... <laughs> I can hear I was, it, yeah. I was part of it, I know. Yeah. But it was, it was pretty rough. I left like early July, I think. Right after the 4th of July. And it was pretty rough. And then I saw some videos later, like mid-July. It was still pretty rough. And I was texting Jared. I was like, are they going to figure it out? And he goes... They're getting better. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna figure it out. And like, I saw you guys at finals. And I was like, this is like a different snare line. Yeah, it was. It was. What like, happened? Like, did you guys like a light bulb went off or something? No, it was like, just. I mean, it just. It took us the whole summer. A while. I mean, I will say this. Like, it. It. That drill wasn't easy either. It wasn't. That uh, drill was pretty tough. It wouldn't have been that bad. Uh, I remember. I don't remember if they stayed till finals. I remember the first time they staged the ballad. It was like the America show, so it was a lot of it was supposed to be like. Um, kind of like obviously early America theme. So we had this like parade block that the drum line set up mm-hmm. in just like six to five, two ten around the whole field. That was the ballad drill. I and remember I just being like, man, we are not going to get a break. This Jared is and I always, up. whenever you rehearse it, it's like, I'm glad I'm not doing that. It was hard. <laughs> and it, awful. it wouldn't have been so bad in isolation, but like in the context of the entirety yeah. of the show, it was, it was pretty rough. But I mean, the, the snare line, again, we weren't like comparatively to what the kind of talent that blue coats is typically pulling. We were not up there. Uh, but we did work pretty hard. I think I think Frankie did an exceptional job in that field uh, because he did kind of bring a very solid work ethic, and we needed it for sure. Because again, we needed the whole summer to get yeah. there. Like, and it ended up being fine. Like, I, th- I was fairly happy with the result that we had at the yeah, end. Yeah, you guys were good at finals. It, I remember. It, it took the whole time for sure. So then, fourteen, obviously, tilt. That was an awesome on. show. You, you guys got second. Yeah, second Overall? on finals night. Blue coats okay. have been so close. <clears throat> so they got so second. Times. So then, I guess you're the thinking, you're at the Blue Coats second place finish. That's probably I think the best in core history up to that yeah, time. Yeah, the core. It was probably. Yeah, it was. Um, and so then, you decide to I guess make the switch, which a lot of people would maybe feel like, oh, you're at Blue Coats. Why would you leave? Great, you're on the up up and coming. But I guess obviously you were like, well, maybe I want a different experience. Mm-hmm. Kind of take us through that. You decided to jump out west. Yeah, it was a it was a hard decision for sure. Um, because I think that in a lot of ways, growing up, Blue Coats was like the core that I idolized, and I was in it now, and I, I love the writing, and I love the shows, and uh, I don't know, I think I, oh, I know, that I, I kind of came to this realization that 
Really inspired by Jason Schladweiler, who's one of my buddies. He marched coats and 14 with is me. Is that how you say his name? Schladweiler. Schladweiler. Yeah. We just say salad fingers. Yeah. Aaron Bailey told us to say salad fingers. A lot fingers, of people so say that's that, what yeah. we use. If he's listening, this will sound, he'll find that funny. But, uh, so he came from Vanguard, um, and I think that, like, so Jared Thomas was, like, my private instructor growing up, taught me mm-hmm. everything first. And he marched crown and coats and rhythm X, so he kind of came from that. And then I marched spirit and learned from Kevin Thorburn and Chris Gary, um, Rhythm X Blue Coats guys, and then I marched Rhythm X, and obviously there's Josh Bricky who marched Blue Coats, there's Tom Gasparini, there's all these people. So like mm-hmm. I was very in on the Rhythm X Blue Coats culture. Like yes. Yeah. Um, and when Jason came, he like the way he would talk about Paul Rennick or the way that they drummed, all this stuff was just like every time he would talk about it, I was like, dude, I have never heard anyone talk about drumming this way. Like this is super weird because I've been drumming for a while and I've had tons of conversations, so I was always trying to learn more. But like when he would talk about it, I was like, this is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of like sparked, I think, the realization that uh, there was way more out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily anything bad was happening where I was. It was just that like it's kind of weird because there's no formal education on the marching activity and you have a very small time frame to learn. That's true. That's the yeah. um, so I was like, all right, I got to take advantage of this. So um, I had considered a, a bunch of different options. I considered staying too. I mean, it was, like you said, it was a great summer. Um, we had a ton of talent. That drumline was very stacked um, and the show was great. Uh, but I think that I had started to kind of like Blue Devils a little more, which is funny because growing up, I hated the Blue Devils. Like, I thought they were so stupid. (laughs) Like, the way they played, the books that were written for them, the show, I hated it. I was not about it in the slightest. Uh, And then, it was really 2012. It was like the first summer. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's kind of like... thing, like just the culture. Yeah, there's like West Coast versus East Coast. Yeah, Yeah. a little bit. There was was definitely some of that, I think, when I was growing up. Um, And some of that was probably influenced by Jared Thomas, but that's okay. So... (laughs) Probably heavily, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So I saw, I saw 2012 um, in that drumline, even still when I look at it, if you look at 2012, Blue Devils is 2011. Huge difference in the style, everything that they were doing. A lot of that can be attested to Jared Andrews. Jared Andrews stopped teaching the quads and started teaching the snares. Yeah, he so. was. Yeah, 20... that was his first summer there. It was 2012. He was teaching the snare line. Um, and there, I don't know. They that just was had the this... summer that Nick R.C. randomly... Was like, the center snare, yeah. I'm going to play snare drum this year. Yeah, I'm Whatever. great at quads, but I'm also going to play yeah. snare <laughs> So, yeah, so it was just, like, 12, 13, 14, I, and 14 was the big one. Like, I had started to kind of like the Blue Devils more, and then 14 over the summer, seeing the show on the drum line, it was just, like, unbelievable. I saw it a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I want to be a part of this. I'm about it. And I had marched with this dude named Adam Wilson in 2013 at Blue Coats, uh, West Coast guy, him, yeah. RCC. Went to Devs in 14, and we were still cool, so I would hang out with him at shows and stuff, and he was telling me about it, and I was like, dude, this sounds incredible. It sounds like exactly what I want. So then I decided to go audition, and it was without a doubt, the roughest audition of my entire life. It was well, insane. I, I've that, always heard like, stories like the dogfight or this or like the just the mind games that they yeah, play, I guess. Yeah, that's something I want to get into, but I almost want to wait. I want to, I want, yeah, I want to devote a whole section to okay. what the Blue Devils organization, like how they operate, sure. how is it different from other groups you were in, like audition Because I think process. that it definitely is. Oh, they, I mean, Dean Hickman has told us many yeah. times, like it's a different animal. Like just, mm-hmm. they just operate, like there was a, the sound guy at Blue Stars in 2010 had marched Contra at BD for two or three summers. And I would always talk to him on meal breaks. I'd be like, dude, so what's the difference? It was my first summer of tour, super young, inexperienced, didn't know what was going on. He's like, dude, it's night and day. It's like a well-oiled machine. It, they've got it figured out. They know how to do it. They know what works. They know what doesn't. And everyone buys in, and it just runs like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And it's totally different yeah. from other cores. All right. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to there. We're, going, we're jumping around. Like our, time, our timeline right here is all jacked up. But So did that. In the midst of all this backtracking, you did say that obviously you marched uh, 
starting in Rhythm X six years ago now. Mm-hmm. So that was your senior year in high school, My right? Senior year in high school, yeah. So the, I always find this funny. You were marching in Lebanon at the time. Mm-hmm. You guys were in Scholastic Open mm-hmm. then. Yeah. And so then you're doing your open class show with your high school group and then changing uniforms and going and doing your world class show with Rhythm X. How was that scheduling, like going to shows or practices or rehearsals or... Yeah, it was um, from the outside, like if you weren't me, it was a nightmare because I was missing a lot of rehearsal on both ends. Um, for me, is probably the, my favorite season of my entire life because, uh, I mean, you know, when, you, when you're a rookie and you march somewhere for the first time, you have this like... You're naive and you enjoy things to a level that older people sometimes don't. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I, you know, I was marching with these people that I'd idolized for years and was learning from this staff, like the Tims and all, all these crazy, and Josh. And the show was ridiculous and we ended up winning. And it was like, that was just like unbelievable. And then, like, I also loved my high school program, like learning from Jared and the rest of the staff. And like, I had a big graduating class with a ton of my friends. And actually, two of the other snare drummers ended up going on to march with the Mex as well. Um, so we had a lot of talent, uh, and in WGI, if you are a high school who makes an independent ensemble, your director has to sign off. Like release you? Exactly. Um, yeah. because WGI wants it to remain, a you know, an, an education. Yeah. Exactly. So they don't want to be just pulling everybody out of the schools, uh, which is understandable. Um, so when I made it, I didn't, I didn't, Jared was under the impression for sure that I was just going to go march with the max, which is understandable. Um, and it was nice of him to be completely willing to sign off on that. Um, but then I was like, what if I do both? Like. So it was still your wanted, idea. It was my idea because I still huh. wanted to do and and he was senior year. Yeah, I had. I mean, I loved that. I loved my high school experience. I did not want to miss out on it. There was a ton of friends and it was great. Um, and I didn't really know if that was possible, but it was. So we ended up making it work. Um, the shows were kind of wild because uh, so we had one Scholastic Day in 2012. This was 2013. It was our first year in Open, and at MEPA there was only one group in between us and Rhythm X, which was Centerville. Because we were always the last classic open group to go on. Centerville was Classic World, so they would go on. And then the only world, the only independent group in MEPA at the time for most of the shows was Rhythm X. So it'd be like, perform. I didn't help with any of the post-show procedure at Lebanon. I didn't fold a tarp. I didn't load my drum. <laughs> right, you ran off the I, floor I, pretty I, much. Seriously, I would like, last note of the show, whatever, applause, run to the side of the floor, put my drum down. There was a band parent who was waiting with my Rhythm X uniform. So I'd grab my Rhythm X uniform, I'd run into the bathroom, and I would change. That band parent would still be there. I'd run back out, give them my Lebanon uniform, and I would run to wherever Rhythm X was, and they'd have my drum missing waiting for me. Missing rehearsal and warm-up. Missing part of warm-up. I usually miss the exercises. Your hands were already warm, Right, so it wasn't, so. It wasn't too bad, um, but I would get there, and it was like, usually it was like full run time. Maybe I got one book chunk in and then a full run, but usually I'd run out of the room, full run, stand still, transit, do another show. We were there at MEPA finals that year. We That's remember hilarious. seeing you running in the man in the arena uniform out of the tunnel at uh, where the Nutter Center, Wright State, Wright State. Thank you, and running out, yeah, like Nutter running Center, towards yeah. where the Max's lot. I was like, "That's got to be it's hilarious." We yeah. were laughing about it. Yeah, it was funny. It was all. I mean, it's I like kind of it. like living like a Hollywood life though, as like a kid. Like you're like, oh yeah, don't in the mix is like the celebrity group that you've always wanted to be in. It's like I I understand what you meant. Like the first season, like you do where the Max, you kind of have this just like puff chest attitude like you're like walking around like all the high school kids like yeah yeah it was doing what you want to do i realize that but it's pretty cool there there is a there is that some level of that a big level of that like i know i experienced it in 11 like you just you walk around show lots and it just feels good 
right. makes it feel like I've, I, you've made it. Even even if you don't know what's going on yet, like, you're like right, yeah. I'm here, I've arrived. Yeah. Most of the rehearsals happen. were spent, like, I was, I mean, I was pretty afraid most of the time. <laughs> as, as, as excited and naive as I was, I was equally intimidated and realized the pressure that was there and, like, it was, like, bunch of people's age out and i'm like man i do not want to be this kid who ruins these people's last season well it's and funny like, you say that that's like how that i felt because well, my 11 and 12 experiences were almost the opposite of that i wasn't nervous ever in 11 because he was the only vet he was like one of my best friends the only vet in the snare line all of us were new mm-hmm. so i actually went on a whim to audition he needed people everybody aged out after 10 and he was like i had just started blue stars and we hung out all summer and then we we're back at moorhead and he was like hey because I, I had marched Tate's Creek Indoor the pre- season before, but I wasn't going to go back. I'd already decided. And I wasn't going to do Indoor ever again. I told him that. I was like, I'm just not doing Indoor. It's stupid. <laughs> so he goes, what if you just come to the mix? Just come to auditions. Check it out. See what happens. So I like barely practiced. I learned the exercise. Just showed up. With no, I didn't feel pressure during it. I had no intention of making it. And I almost think that helped me in the long run. Mm-hmm. Like I was way more Keep laid back. Stay out of my head. Even after I made it and rehearsal started, like I still didn't feel pressure to not screw up. Now, 12 was almost the exact opposite because I didn't march drum corps that summer before it and everybody else did except for me and him, really, and Travis Peterman. Yeah. So everybody yeah. comes off tour and I drummed over the summer, but I, not like them, obviously. Yeah. there's no way and to so recreate that. Josh was playing, like, mind games with Travis and I, like, coming back, like, not having us on drums with, like, other kids in there, other drum corps yeah. people in there. <laughs> I was like, actually at that audition. You probably were. Not participating. You were just hanging I out? I watched the audition. That is, like, the level of, like, obsessed I was with Rhythm X. So, like, like I got... It was in some big auditorium, I remember. Yeah, we, yeah. Did the, we did the American Idol oh, audition geez. that year where everybody got on stage and played. I remember and this. You guys <laughs> had to do, like, an open, close, open roll, right? Yeah, and, like, but, some people, like, butchered it. It was so funny. God, I messed mine up, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, like, so I was way more nervous in 2012 than I was in 11 because, like, well, they've only ever cut a vet once, and that was, like, three years ago that I've ever heard of, at least, mm-hmm. and... Evan's like, dude, they're not. Josh is not going to cut you or Travis. Like, relax. Just show yeah. up and drum, and like that's dude, it. Dude, mine too doesn't. But I was nervous, and was even during the season, brutal. once we were in there rehearsing, I was on the end of the ten minutes narrow line, and I was like, just felt not inferior, but I was like, I can't screw up. I can't screw this up because right. like all these dudes are just kept doing this over the summer. I just kind of worked a job and hung out all summer. Right. And uh, so I felt way more pressure my second year than yeah. I did the first year. My 2010, I remember it was like Tim and Tim doing the individuals. And basically, they were like, yeah, if we give you the spot, you're going to be the center next year. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that's what they told me. Yeah, like, before, and, like, I was freaked out after that. I was like, what? But, yeah, well, that's fun. So our timeline's all jacked up. We've gone from all through your DCI to backtrack now all through. So now you get back to, you've gone through six years of Rhythm X. They're designing the show this year, obviously, at a vibe solo. Was that, mm-hmm. like, something they approached you about and said... Hey, can you play vibes? Or we know you can play vibes. Yeah, and... it was. Um, well, I so I. And obviously, there was a lot of sections where members did multiple things. Right, different... I think that that was a big um, influence for Tim Fairbanks was kind of seeing what different responsibilities a person could have and not keeping the instrumentation that they play exclusive to one thing. Um, and then I so when I graduated high school, I was a music major. I was went mm-hmm. to school in Columbus for one semester, and then I transferred to. University of Cincinnati, and I went to CCM, and I was a music major there, so I was playing mallet percussion and things like that, and and he knew that me and him had conversations about that. I didn't know that that was going to be a thing uh, until I, I, I until I feel like he had already decided it was going to be a thing. If that like, makes sense, like he knew that I he's like I know that he's done this, so I know I can do this, and he'll just right, <laughs> yeah, and like so he, I mean it, the season had already started, 
it was maybe, I don't know, December, first or second week in December. And then he said, you know, something about a mallet solo. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm down. Um, and I remember he, I just like got this piece of music and then we were just repping that part of the show and I was like, dude, I haven't, I haven't practiced this at all. It ended up being fine. You know, it's for the next, that's how we do things sometimes. Yeah. But, Fly by the seam of your pants. Yeah, it, it, it ended up being fine. I, I mean, I liked it a lot. Uh, it was a really it cool part cool. of the show. Yeah. Just all that stuff where like the basses were playing the, the bases, vibes yeah. and everybody's right. moving and around was, uh, and marimbas are going on the floor and stuff. And yeah, it was, it was cool. And it, it's fun as well to be able to kind of perform in different outlets like that because as a snare drummer, it's just like one thing constantly, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad, I mean, I love marching snare drum, obviously, yeah, yeah. but it is kind of cool to be able to perform in a different light. And then you get up and stand on your vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Catch yep. the stick toss. Did oh. you ever miss? Uh, yeah. Well, at rehearsals, a lot. Honestly, <laughs> we were pretty inconsistent at rehearsals. Only one show I dropped, which was uh, the mid, Mid-East Regional Finals I dropped. That one was pretty bad. Uh, and there was another stick toss I had. You had the high one. I threw one to myself as high as I could. I dropped that one once at indie prelims which was pretty funny actually because like there was like this eighth note motif and then everything stopped and the I other think thing that we was were weird, at that i think we went because we went to indie that weekend we were at indie yeah, yeah. so we did you guys see prelims yeah. and finals yeah, we, not finals we were in the lot we, finals. we watched prelims so you prelims. saw me drop. We saw you drop. i was gonna say yeah, so i th- so everything stops except for that stick was in the air so it catches a pretty decent amount of attention mm-hmm. and you hear the whole audience like oh like anticipation uh, and then like yeah just everyone was like <laughs> Every time. oh it's like sucks. a pen dropping on the floor yeah so then the funny part was like most of the audience i would assume is the same at finals and it happened again and it was like redemption time like yeah. <laughs> yeah so i ended up catching my finals which was nice but yeah man that was a i mean rhythm x is kind of notorious for the stick tosses i feel like it's a pretty big stress point honestly i don't know if you've ever like been where are we gonna fit it in people overreact about them in my opinion like some of the big ones are cool but then there's like a bunch of little ones the crowd will freak out for and i look at him or people friends and i'm like okay yeah i don't know i feel like it's been overblown like who's expected now oh it's a thing oh it's a thing i yeah. know it's a thing i know it's when a thing you're and learning being the show, involved like, in it members... is super stressful like i I would say 99.9% of my stress on, at every single show was the stick toss. Like, I was not very concerned about anything else. Like, I... I, cause I've I, been, I can play drums. Right, I've been play playing clean, for a long time, and I've been marching for a long time, and I had plenty of repetition, and I had practiced, and I yeah. felt, like, very confident in my own ability. And that, I mean, it wasn't like I doubted myself, but I certainly got stressed about it. And, like, yeah. I remember catching the, my second one. I'd caught both on finals, thank God. I caught it, and there was a quad player named Ryan Lentine, and we would always, like, look at each other when I caught it, and I was just, like, screaming. I was like, I didn't drop any sticks in my age out. It was, like, <laughs> so, this huge breath of relief. Thankfully, um, I was never involved in any of those. Yeah, I never so. had any stick tosses or anything. Man, they were stressful. I mean, it ended up being cool. It's a cool memory. I think. There was one random one in the Blue Coat show in 2012. If you remember the ritual, the fourth chart of the oh, thing, yeah. we're in the circle, and the, gar- the sabers are in the middle, and the battery snare line circles around them. Well, TJ Chiquette, if you know who that is, mm-hmm. he uh, he had a massive stick toss across the circle to Tom. And, like, nobody really ever noticed it half the time. But every once in a while, like, people in, after the show, like, has stick toss always been there? Like, whether it was techs, not, not drum techs, but, like, other techs in the core, mm-hmm. or, like, audience members, people that were in the audience in the show. Like, it was so under the radar. But it was a, so random to me. Like, just, whew, yeah. it just shoots out of nowhere, and Tom just grabbed it most of the time. Yeah. 2010, I don't remember. I know there's a bunch. There's obviously a ton in 2013. 2012, we had the one at the end of the snare break. That was Frankie through to Frankie Travis. Frankie to Travis, yeah. And then 13 at the end of the show, everybody's throwing stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of that one. But I'm sure you could crown a lot. We just need to make a tape of only all over the Mexican stick tosses, tosses through yeah, the that'd years. That'd be a long video. 
It'll be a long video. I think it all started with Justin Lewis's in touch, That's right? The first yeah. one. Uh, behind the back from the well, ball actually, player no, him. there was one uh, in Gone, not quite as elaborately planned out and viewed as the touch one, but uh, they had the that snare break at the beginning man. where the kid does the and he flips it and the other snare drummer catches it. So yeah, there's that one in Gone. Didn't know that. Nice. Things you learn every day. Yep. So I guess now. Before we, I guess we get into somewhat of the things you have going on today, teaching, working, we'll backtrack back to the... Blue Devils thing? The Blue Devils thing. So West Coast, East Coast, obviously I've had friends that have marched both at Crown with me where I was and then gone on to Blue Devils and just talk about the difference. But I guess in your words, talk about things that maybe they do differently that you notice, whether it's good or bad, but just different or Mm -hmm. that you think is... Yeah, I think that, I mean, the most... In my eyes, the most obvious one is how they view drum corps from like a physical standpoint. That was the first one that kind of stuck out. I mean, so like there is drum corps is obviously rooted in the military, and sure. you know what I mean. So there's this background of physicality and uh, I don't know drill sergeant esque things and treatment like that. Militaristic, yeah, hardcore, right. hard nosed. Right, and they don't subscribe to that really at all um they obviously they want consistent performers they just have different methods of going about it so like the first thing that i noticed when you receive your contract at the blue devils the very first thing that happens is you go get they call it screening so you sit down with a physical trainer and they move your body and they test your muscles and they tell you like okay you have like for instance like day one i got my contract at blue devils i knew that my left hamstring was too tight like i knew immediately and they gave me these bands and they gave me these exercises and they're like you need to work on this not only from an injury prevention standpoint, which is obviously important for drum corps because people are getting injured all the time, but also from a mobility standpoint, like the visual package at devs is usually pretty severe and having that understanding of your body and the flexibility necessary is pretty big. So that was probably the biggest part. And I feel like... <laughs> I'm sitting Mike here and I are just looking at each other because we've talked about this like ad nauseum. Like, I've told oh him... I, if there were like programs where people just do that, they wouldn't get injured as much. Well, and stuff like I've that. told him because him and I have pretty heavily gotten into fitness and weightlifting and all this kind of stuff over the past couple years and applying all the fitness knowledge I've gained in the past few years to what I know about drum corps. I've told him many times, like I've told friends of mine that teach, I want to work with a core because I know what, now I'm not scientifically or certific- certified in any way. Mm. I'm not trained like a medical person would be or a physical therapist sure. or a trainer, but I know what muscle groups are important. I know how to develop those muscle groups now and I think back and I'm like, man, if I had done exercises X, Y, Z, I knew what sucked for me while I was marching. If I'd done this and this and this going into the summer, developed these muscles, lifted this way, yeah. my son, I would have been way better marcher. I would have been way more stronger. Yeah. And it's not him, all about just I like, said, go run cardio, go run laps. Well, it's yeah, like, and no, that's, it's the, big, not that's the, the big thing. I told, I told him, like, I want to go in and say, I don't want to get into tons of details, but in short, the snare line is set. I want to evaluate physically those eight or nine guys and girls and say all right you're basically what exactly what you just said like you just vilified everything that's why him and i are sitting here laughing to each other as you're telling the story anyway keep going yes so it's well and i mean so my first summer of jump world i mean this kind of in my mind confirms the validity of of the methods that they use at devs is my first summer of spirit i was Super small, back to cardio. My my mindset prior was like, you know, I knew drum corps was hard, but I was like, all right, I need to get myself physically ready. I'm going to run. So I just run. ran, like, as much as I could. I just ran a bunch, which is good. I mean, I'm glad that help. I did that. It's not but, hurt you. but there were also many other outlets I would have chosen if I, you know, had the, the perspective that I do now. But so, anyway, so we get there, and that summer we had a bongo on our snare drums. 
actually have it upstairs. Um, <laughs> it so it was on the right side of our drums, and it was like not super heavy. I mean, it's maybe like those five seven pounds or eight matter. Pounds. We had ribbon crashers on our drums in 2010, right? And it wasn't it from like a a, it. It wasn't even that it was like difficult as much as I was not aware of my posture, and that was the biggest thing. And so my spine just slowly and slowly throughout that summer just curved to the right because that's the side of the drum that my bongo right, was on. Was like you. you would not see it if you looked at me. But, like, I started to feel it. So, so much to the point that finals week of 2012, I had developed this pinched nerve in the bottom of my mm. spine. And for maybe eight days leading up to finals, like, every 20 minutes or so, there would be this sharp pain that just shot up my body. And, like, whether I was marching or sleeping or whatever, like, I, it was it was Dang. insane. And I didn't Sucks. get – I wasn't able to go to get it treated or whatever. So, I had to just take some painkillers, stick it out, which was terrible. But, anyways, I get home. I, I went to a chiropractor for nine months to rewrite this – Terrible things happen in my body. Um, Which of course, not good for you most of the well, time. It's, if you do it wrong, you're right. Exactly. If you do it wrong, and if you're not aware, that's the biggest thing. Like, at, at, at there's that stigmatism in drum corps where, like, okay, this hurts, or like sitting out. And like, we all know someone that we march with that sat out because they mentally were not able to handle what was going on. That certainly exists. But there are also people who sit out because something is actually wrong with their body. And like, the go-to at devs when that happens is you go to a trainer. And they will screen you, and they will figure out what the problem is, and they'll give you. Do you have a trainer on staff at all times for yeah. the summer? There's. Um, that's like the only core I think that does that. Well, there's. Well, not anymore. Not it's actually, anymore. it's starting to yeah. pick up a lot, yeah. which is nice. Like that's this good. is this is becoming the norm. I was say we um, had one. Because I was just at Crossman, and they have them there. That's good. Um, but there's three of them. Uh, I think there's three of them. Hopefully, I'm not missing anybody. But there's usually there's always one there, at least if not more. Um, so it's nice. I mean, that, that was that the, was something that bothered me. But you mentioned sitting out and stuff on tour because there's a lot of mental stress, physical stress. Most people are not used to until course, they yeah. go through that experience. In my first summer, there was a day towards the end of spring training, and, and no one likes to have to sit out. And there's that stigma that oh, there's a stigma if, for if sure. Anyone sits out, they assume everybody else assumes. You're just being a wuss. You're being soft. For yeah. example, yes. there was a day of ensemble where we're rehearsing a chunk of the show, and I started getting a pain in one of my Achilles on one of my heels, and I was like, this is not something you mess with. Like, if this pops, I'm done. Mm -hmm. So I basically, I even got weird looks. I love Joel Hilbert to death, but I even got weird looks from him when I was like, Joel, like, he didn't believe me, basically. I was like, dude, my Achilles is like, every time I do a cross step to crab to my left, it just shoots up my leg. Yeah. Like, I think I need to go stretch this out, do something here. This was before, to, we had no trainer, we had no, sure. nothing like that. So he basically was like, he, he like paused, like, you could tell he was skeptical. Uh, and I hate that. I know. And he like, all right, go to the back. And the whole, so I ended up missing the last like 30 minutes. 30 minutes of ensemble, 45 minutes to rest my, to make sure nothing was going to go seriously wrong. And Which the whole time, I felt terrible. I felt terrible because right. also the whole time, sure. the snare line is up there. Like, everyone saw someone's like turned around looking at me, like furrowed brows, like, what the heck's he doing back there? Like, like just like assuming you're just being a, a wuss. And it's right. like, no, I don't want to bust my Achilles tendon and be, go home. I'll miss this 40 minutes of ensemble to be here on August in finals. Like, and then I woke up the next morning. It was sore that whole night, and I woke up, and I was fine the rest of the summer. But who knows? If I would have pushed through it, maybe my Achilles would have popped. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. And it's just that I hate that stigma. And it goes back to there's never really been a culture of taking care of the bodies, being aware of, of what's required, and uh, being in touch with how, how things feel and wrong or good. Mm -hmm. is, this a, is this a burn from soreness? Is this a, a piercing, stabbing from something being messed up? I don't know. It's just... It's it it's been messed up for so long, and it's really good to hear a lot of cores are jumping on the bandwagon of, 
you know, just we got to figure this stuff out. Well, taking what you said and segue, segueing back into Ryan, I used to always mention taking care of the bodies. I would, I remember very vividly being on tour in like 2009 at the Atlanta Regional, and we just got done. And I'm talking to my friend Dean, who I know very well, and he's marching Blue Devils, and I'm at Crown. And I'm like, yeah, rehearsal day tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Oh no, nah, man! I'm sleeping till like noon at the hotel. I'm in a hotel. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, I was just like, what are yeah, you talking they, about? They value free time a lot. Well, and it's interesting because like, so we get a lot of free days. Like the thing about devs is that the majority of the rumors are are pretty true. Like we get a lot of free days. We eat a lot. You you pick your own portion. Like it's not a plate that's handed to you. Like if it's like, for instance, if it's like chicken patty your day, food out. and you want nine chicken patties, you just take nine chicken patties. Like that's you awesome. Do what you want, and like the people who volunteer on the truck will like straight up tell you like, eat until how you're many full. do you want? Like we're gonna keep making food until you guys say that you're done eating, and then we'll stop. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's a luxury that every core can have from a financial standpoint. So I don't want to. You know what I mean? But, um, but it's just different. And it a lot of core. I think that incorrectly a lot of ensembles think that they can't get away with more free days that they can't get away with missing rehearsal time and i think it's the exact opposite for a couple reasons one because devs is the only core that does it or well, no i shouldn't say that that's that that's a false statement a lot of course do it but because they are one of the cores that does it they have the most free days i'll they, say that right now I, I think that's probably true they other members of other drum cores know that like and as a member when it's your 70th day there and it's 120 degrees and you've and had you've been, two days off the right whole like summer. an hour of free time is a monumental amount right and what that does for your psyche and your and your mental health is is kind of insane so it not only helps on that regard but it's also i look at it at least from a recruiting standpoint because that's one of the biggest differences i think that at devs like for instance last summer we had 60 age outs and the average age of the core was like 20.8 and the average years of drum of prior drum corps experience was like three or four wow so like if you were a like there are a a very very small handful of people who are marching their first summer of drum corps like i'm talking like single like digit. first ever like yeah not even junior right yeah we had one on the snare lines this this kid named joseph and he he was from Iowa, so we had plenty of you know good world class experience point, exactly yeah. but so it's just different you just you deal with different problems because like when you for like we had five age outs. I was on my sixth summer. The center was on his sixth summer. Alan was on his sixth or seventh summer. Everyone is it's just marched like at least four years. years. You just know you're you know how drum corps works. You no one has to tell you how to EPL. No one has to tell you to be on the bus on time. No one yeah. has to tell you to show. You just everyone just knows how to do you it. Just do it. Yeah. It's one of the. Do, do you think that more free time is a product of that experience? Because they, they know or they have older members. So this is like, so they, this is funny. This is like, I view it as like a chicken and the egg scenario because definitely you can't get the talent without proper treatment, but people are afraid to do proper treatment if they don't have the talent. Yeah. Um, I think that the treatment has to come first. I do. I think that cores could get away with more free time than they currently think they can. I think that they can get away with an extra 15 minutes on a meal break, which seems small but i know from a member's perspective it's, a it's huge yeah, yeah. to get deal. a 15 minute nap in before a block is, is a big difference and if for nothing else i think from a drum corps perspective what is the best for membership is just small moments where you get to exercise some sort of freedom like you just get yeah. to go to a gas station and get a gatorade like that seems so small but in the heat of the summer it's huge like it, the, the mental game is so important i know i experienced some some mental not fatigue but I went through a rut for about a two-week period in 2012 where I just wasn't playing well. Mm -hmm. I, I was inside my own head. I was thinking too hard. I was worrying about screwing up. And I think that just comes from the summer being long. 
and I was I was 21. I wasn't young. I'd done mm-hmm. drum corps one time before, and I'd done done two years of rhythm X at that point. So I, I'd been around the block a couple times, but even at that point in my career, I it got to me like. We, we played with a much lighter touch than I normally did, just naturally. I played pretty heavy, pretty loud. Mm-hmm. So I had to adjust a lot there. And as we got more and more balanced, it took me longer to get there. So I was sticking out of the sound a lot more than others. And so that got to my head. And and I've talked to people, it, it's the staff's job to monitor that kind of thing and, and monitor to make sure it, if some dude is going through a, week, a rough week of playing mm-hmm. that other members aren't getting on him because that can make it even worse. Like that's just all part of the dynamic. And, and I think increased free days, more time off to just kind of unwind and not wear a drum and not sweat your butt off for four right. hours at a time it would go a long way to preventing that from happening. more. Yeah, often. I think, I think so as well. And I, again, like there's, I mean, there, there's some give and take, like you can't just not rehearse. You gotta, you know what I mean? And, and blue devils is still drum corps. Like, I think some people hard, forget like, that. Like, yeah. You're st- it's still hot. It's still Texas. It's still, yep. the drum weighs the same amount. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's still drum corps. It's just, it's done with a different perspective, which is kind of nice. And the thing that like is, is strange to me is that, the kind of militaristic logic that we were talking about of like beating someone to the ground doesn't fly at the professional level of any other physical activity. Like, and the difference well, is, there's like, no in time the, to like even recuperate. In the military, even yeah, in the military, you're sleeping in a bed for a set number of hours every night, and they are feeding you exactly what they know you need to make it through that sure. experience. Yeah, I experienced times where he had to feed me off Crown's truck when I was at Blue Stars a couple times because the food situation well. wasn't great. They eat great now; they fixed it. But in ten, there were times we didn't eat great. Didn't eat enough food. Like in the military, they're beating you down just like like you're getting like beat you down some ice But the difference is, they're in a bed every yeah. night. Now I'm not trying to say basic training is easy. It's probably harder. Honestly, it's way more stressful. I would assume mentally, and you're doing but there's practices that in place are similar yeah. Yeah, from yeah. thing to thing. Sure, and you're getting the treatment you need. They know if they give you this sleep and they give you this food. You have the energy you need to do this. You have the sleep required to do this. And right. if they deprive you of sleep for three nights in basic, they know they've done it. It's, the, it's, it's clockwork at this point in basic training. They know what a human being can do. They know what they need to do. Drum corps has just taken them longer, I feel like, to figure that out. I, well, I don't think that they are still trying to figure it out. I think they're just ignoring it because they're afraid. Like before we were talking, I wasn't going to be so blunt. But. No, I think they're just afraid, like he said, to lose yeah. the hours. Yeah. Which, well, and like there's. I think that the fear is that, like you said, it goes back to the the soft stigmatism. And, like, I am grateful for the fact that I was put in situations that I would never have wanted to be from, like, a physical and a mental standpoint. Yeah, it's good for you. It is. It's good to push yourself. I like that I, you know, thought that my body was capable of a certain limit and then was forced to show myself that I could do more. Yeah, I like that. And I don't want that part of drum corps to go away. I like that. And I don't, I mean, I don't think it ever will. I don't think it can. I don't think it can. It's physically demanding at the end of the day. Right. And so it's... You know, the treatment is both from a physical standpoint, it's, it's, I believe that it's healthier for your body. It puts you in a better place. I mean, it's like when you run your first set of the summer, how your legs feel compared to like the end of July. Yeah. And like what was once super easy is now seemingly impossible because of just how malnourished and beaten down your body is. The end of 2010, I weighed 135 pounds. I'm six feet tall. Stood up straight, could see every notch in my spine (laughs) without bending over, like standing up straight. I couldn't do anything except march and play that show. I couldn't play anything that wasn't our book and exercises at those tempos, at those heights. I couldn't do anything physically. Why do you think that is? I was freaking 
look like I got out of a hog, uh, mm. concentration camp. Burning calories that you weren't getting. Yeah. I, I was, now I have, I have a high metabolism anyway, and our drill was, if you've seen that show before, it was we were running across around that field the whole 12 minutes. But it was just, I don't think I got enough food. I don't think my body was taken care of and ever allowed to recover. And I'm not saying this to poo-poo on the Blue Stars organization. That summer was still a ton of fun. We had, were good. They took care of us. They made sure nobody was hurt, took us to doctors if we needed to. All the, I went to a foot doctor at one point. Like They did all those things. But from a, from a nutrition standpoint, there was not nearly enough protein in the diet. Well, I would say even if there was, like during my spring training experience at Crown, we had every opportunity to eat as much food as we wanted because we ate at the university's cafeteria, which had unlimited amount of food. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you were saying, if you had like an extra 15 minutes, 20 minutes on lunch break, I probably would have eaten more food because I would resist like eating till I was full or satisfied because I knew if I did, I was just getting ready to have to go back mm-hmm. outside and I was not going to be able to execute on a high level because I'd just be like bogged down of, course, yeah, of like chill. fullness. So there would be times where I'd be like, well, I'm not going to eat anymore even though I want to because I'm going to have a terrible afternoon block. So there's right. kind of some of that in there, but that's on me. But just kind of talking through, like, before we got on recording, we were talking to Ryan about just kind of things going on. And you mentioned, obviously, your brother does, like, physical training. Mm-hmm. Those people believe in rest. Rest days. Working out. Right. We get it. We're Professional lifting, athletes like, working train out. not seven days a week. Yeah. It's, like, so, four right. five I feel like something. at some point. With a copious amount of sleep. You mentioned. The, tons of food. You <laughs> mentioned the Blue Devils kind of just deny the stigma a little bit to the degree of, like, militaristic marching band i feel like at some point they probably just made the program decision of hey we don't they didn't always control maybe the monopoly or the attractiveness of experienced people but we're going to make this decision and see what it does this experiment to give people because it had to have happened at some point like just to change direction sure i don't think that they were always like we always have more free days we always do this. right yeah but, i have no idea what it was like prior. so i'm sure in like the 80s 90s it was a whole another animal but yeah. I think there are a lot of cores that are like when I marched coats, like we ate well. Yeah, we yeah. had a physical trainer. They on took staff. care of us at Blue Coats. They for did, sure. yeah. And so I'm not. I'm not trying to say that like Blue Devils is the only core that do it, but I did certainly feel different about the experience when I was there. And I think that one of the biggest things is just like all of those decisions come down to the staff. What from a membership standpoint, it feels like the staff has a ton of respect. Like it feels like the staff looks up to you when they see you, which is like crazy because. At most drum corps, it's the exact opposite, and you're being talked down to, and you're being told what you're doing wrong. I mean, at Blue Devils, you're being, you told you're you're told what you're doing wrong, but it's you're treated just, like a professional athlete, right? And you're like treated like a professional athlete, yeah. And like compliments go a long way from a staff, I think. And I don't, at Devs, they were never hesitant to do that. If you did, I mean, if you did poorly, they would certainly tell you, and they kept yeah. it honest. But like they also like there was it was not uncommon for you to do it down the line, or like if we were doing a visual block and or uh, movement ensemble or something, and and someone pulled you out to, to demonstrate something for them to be like, that was great. And you'd be like, wow, all right, that's pretty cool. So you cool. about down the lines, like go down and have each person play this and like check it out. Like, all right, who's good? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's again, something like, I feel like a lot of cores, we never did that at blue coats and we never did that at uh, blue stars. And I feel like that's, that's one difference I've noticed, or I feel like I've noticed between BD and everybody else. Now, obviously my experience personally is limited having only been a part of two different drum cores, but they're all, solidly individual players. You could go up to anybody in the snare line at BD and say, play your open, here's the Met, play the opener right now by yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And it would probably sound pretty dang good. It's actually funny because RCC was doing that in the lot, final side. They it's did like, that. You want to play it? And, like, All right. and that's, I feel like, a difference of, like, Josh Bricky said it a ton of times when I was an ex. It's an 80-20 split, and I'm sure you've heard this before, too. Playing clean in a snare line or any drum line is 80% playing perfectly as an individual in time, having your feet in time, handling your stuff. The other 20 is being aware of your surroundings and playing with people around you and making small adjustments when needed. And BD... From what I've seen and heard, they really embody that. They yeah. really say, we're all going to be able to play our book individually with good sound quality, play the right heights, do everything as an individual first. And they do it in a lot, like you said, RCC, which is very much married with BD in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, they do it in a lot in front of crowds. It's kind of impressive, too. It's it like is. showing off. Because <laughs> I know, like, I was never, I know I would have messed up if you would have been like at Blue Coats or Blue Stars or X sometimes. Hey, play the snare feature perfectly by yourself in front of these hundred people. I don't know if I would have played it perfectly every time or like and not. Obviously, I'm sure you do it enough in rehearsal too to where you get mm-hmm. to improve and improve and improve at it. But that's an element I think something else they've got going for them that really helps them a lot. I think that from the inside, all of that is a byproduct of the audition camp. Like they just let's get into that then. Let's they get into just the audition camps. well, not I'm not even saying like what happens there. It's just who comes. You just get you have to be you that get good. the right people. Like yeah. you're not gonna get in if you can't do that because, yeah. because the talent level is unbelievable. Like I'm sure. when I auditioned in 15, there were five vets, and they almost always go with nine. So there's four spots. I mean, not that they wouldn't cut a vet, but you assume that that's unlikely. So there's four spots really, and there were seven people at the callback camp, and the four that got the spot were me, uh, Evan Espanto, who I all um, blue coats. Um, Jeremiah West, who had marched Mystique for a thousand years in Cavaliers, <laughs> and uh, Alan Oaks, who had was just the center at Crown. And then the three that didn't make it were Jay, who was just the center for RCC. When was Alan Oaks the center at Crown? Uh, 2014. 13, 14, 2014, yeah. 13 was his first year. So there were a couple years I disappeared and removed myself from everything. So Yeah, so the three that didn't make that. it, Jay was just the center at RCC, ended up making devs. Arjun Derbakula, who had marched Blue Coats with me and marched RCC and was super young and it's like high school prodigy and like ended up making devs and then this guy named scotty who had just was the center at the b core and they were all ridiculous like <laughs> it was ridiculous that's they they try to set the the line on saturday night and in 2015 they didn't do it until there was like 10 minutes left in the camp on sunday they just wow. literally could not decide um and if we want to get into kind of like the nitty-gritty stuff of what the audition camp is like there's um there is a, a significant amount of down the line um specifically scott does this spree thing every year where it's like Typical A B A C A D, where it's always you know flam accent check and then drags flam accent cheese flam accent fives and then he just starts to create these jacked up patterns and it goes like I don't know maybe twenty patterns deep it's long wow. and it's really uh, I think that you know obviously the hands are important but I always think I always feel like in that scenario Scott is just evaluating someone's head um, mm-hmm. because he teaches it and you get two reps as a snare line and then it's down the line and that's it. Wow. And you just go. And, you know, I mean, the success rate, when I say success rate, I mean, like, the people who don't break is 30% tops. Wow. Like, it's very difficult. Um, he's well, he's going to find out right then and there he wants whose to see, brain's where he well, needs it, who's right, going to crack under the there's pressure. Al- there's yeah. always someone, you know, everyone's marched with someone who is a monster snare drummer and mentally is not ready for the pressure that you feel over the summer. Like, when you you go into Allentown and you're within a half a tenth of another drum line, and you're like, if we play this well, we're going up. And if any one of us makes a single mistake, it's not going to happen. Judging like, your face, ready right? To go. Exactly. Like you feel that pressure, and like that's a, that's different than being able to 
ram flam drags in your basement. Like, yeah. that's different. And so he wants to see that. Um, and he does. Like, it, it certainly is, you know, it, it's a telltale sign of, of who's ready for that stuff. And I think the the weirdest thing, I think the, the least conventional thing that they did at that camp, um, there was plenty of them, but I think the most notable was uh, Scott does this thing called the blind taste test, which is awesome because I do feel like in a lot of audition camps there's a ton of bias and that a lot of people get spots based on previous experience, which is obviously important. I but, did. But it might... It, I did in 12, 100%. Yeah, it might. So... Um, at that camp, he uh, Sean Clark was a center snare. That was already determined. And Sean had to give every auditionee a number. So you get a number. Uh, and the staff does not know this. Jared Andrews wrote a lick that was like 12 bars long. It was a similar situation. Two times as a snare line. Down the line, but the entire staff turns around and they just call a number. And they don't know who it is. And it's vets and, and auditionees alike. And that's awesome. They call hear. a number and then you play. It's like the voice or whatever, basically. I mean, it would be that's with me listening. because I was always like good enough but I was never like a standout performer in the groups I was in. And I'll admit that. Like, I'm not too proud to say that. But I I botched my 2012 audition. They still contracted me at the first camp. Did you want blue coats or really nice? Blue coats. Because, I mean, Tim Jackson was on visual staff. Ryan Lamb from X was there. Uh, Tom and Joe, I was marching with them for the second winter. They spoke up for me. Like, I just butchered my individual audition with Mike Jackson. And I got done playing. I told him, I was like, Mike, that was not indicative of what I can do. But that's pretty nervous. cool from an auditioning standpoint, because like, how could you argue with that? Like, it's like, right. It makes you feel comfortable in the results. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. it. It really felt like in or out. You're like, well, right. I had my opportunity. Right. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was cool. Um. It was also cool to see the vets put under that same pressure. I think that's always, um, as a rookie, it's awesome. As a vet, it's a little kind annoying, of possibly terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's good for you. It's not a bad thing. But yeah. you you don't get to just like oh coast phone yeah, it in and be like oh no. i didn't learn any of the like, material when there's a down the line you're doing it when they're you know what i mean like you're doing everything that everyone else is there's this exercise that devs plays called 16ths which is like the singles exercise and every year scott reefs it it's like 220 it's like all this fast 16th invert motion and stuff and it's nice. always down the line and everyone goes everyone goes down the line and it just i don't know man it just it it, it requires that of you you that that sounds be like nothing right. like the two drum corps audition processes I went through. So three, because I well, almost make bias. It's a difference. Year, Obviously, that's a noticeable difference. Right, yeah. and yeah. I will say that um, they were not all as stressful as the 15 audition. Like Did the 17 audition. Uh, no, you don't even move until the second camp. So the first camp, it, they, it's all different weekends. You just play, and that's then cool. the second one, Scott will Scott will say like, it's it's mostly about the visual. It's not a visual only camp, but. What I think that they do a little bit differently than the other drum corps is they they really look into what the Vish staff's opinion is. So like in 15, that's using that same audition, if you got a call back, basically at that point in time, Scott has determined that your hands are good enough to make the snare line. So then they're just going to put you in new situations at the second camp, which is mostly visual, moving and playing, things like that, to then see if the visual staff agrees or disagrees, whatever they thought, take those opinions into account. Um, so we had to do like... I mean, you're doing your dance work, you're doing all kinds of stuff like that, which is very uncomfortable for a lot of people because most people are just snare drummers. They just, they, you know, they're not used to that. Um, I mean, I was certainly not used to that. And then we, you do drill. And I remember they like wrote this mini drill and there was body. And then they were just like, okay, now everyone switch places with someone else. And it was like, okay. And then it was like, okay, here we go. We're doing it. And you're like, so that I think was just a testament to like, back to the 80-20 thing you mentioned with Josh, is like, what's your awareness of the ensemble? Like, you know mm -hmm. your drill, but you know the form? Do you know the progression of what's happening? Like, were you paying attention enough to know what snare drummer number eight is doing when you're snare drummer number two? Like, it was, I mean, 
It's wild. They put you through every ringer that they possibly need to to feel 100% confident in the nine people they're going to pick. And and that's why the 15 audition was so hard was because the talent was so high. Not yeah. that it was low in other years, but in 16 and 17, we had seven vets in the snare line. So that really... So there's two people going yeah. through the ringer. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it, I mean, we have to participate. You're still doing but, all the same stuff, but you've been through it. You know what to, you right. know what's coming. And the decisions came a little easier. Like, for instance, like in 2016, we had two snare spot or two snare openings. Uh, and those went to the two people that didn't make it in 15. They went to Arjun and Jay. <laughs> so it, that snare line did in some ways feel predetermined. Although I'm positive if someone came and outplayed one of us or outmoved one of us that... They would have cut we, you? We, yeah, they would have cut us. Hmm. We would have been removed. Um, but I feel like it's all, it'd be really, cool. really unlikely somebody would show up and outdo you guys because you've been through it. You've well, done an entire you, summer in sure. that system. You've been through the whole audition process. Well, I guess that's the point. Time. Right. And you know. I mean, yeah. you know what it's like. You know the expectation and you know... If you don't meet it, that there's going to be consequences. So, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So then you talked about like the visual emphasis at like camps and stuff, uh, and I've talked to Dean about just like some rehearsal blocks, and you talked about obviously the evaluation to help you maximize your visual strength, flexibility, mobility. Were there things that you all did during spring training and also on tour that were kind of different from a visual standpoint? Because I think that's one thing that does stick out. Like Blue well, Devils, like they move so well. They right. The the um, there's a couple things from a from a visual construction standpoint. Um, the entire visual package is made on the spot. So like not that it's not pre thought out or premeditated, but like it's not. You're not handed a dot sheet. You don't have dot sheets. There are no dot sheets. It's like there's no dot books or anything. It's like no no dot books. Um, so you, huh. you get on a field and, um, there's, you know, a, a multitude of visual staff members who participate in this process. Um, and the hierarchy is slightly confusing sometimes, but <laughs> because they all have creative input, I think. Um, but you just put somewhere and they'll go here and then they'll go, okay, snare line, eight counts over there. And then they see it and they like it. Okay. And then, then you sit on the ground for 25 minutes and then they go over here. And then they, <laughs> it's like Tim Fairbanks. Right, right. Exactly. So and literally it's, it's, it's just Tim Fairbanks. The number he, one. They have an idea, but then they're just figuring out. Right. And they, they, they in every single way, put the package first. So, like, you will not get uh, reps on visual technique or, or things like that. Um, well, let me rephrase this. You will get them, uh, but they will always change the show if they think that they can come up with a better version. So that obviously eats away at other time that I think that a lot of other ensembles aren't willing to sacrifice. Like, we do less visual blocks. We do we do not play very much during move-ins as a drumline. Because it's a lot of visual time. Like, I vividly remember in 2015, it took a while for them to stage the ballad. And we were talking about before how my visual response, we just, we just sat, the drum line just sat in front of those book props. Didn't really do a ton. And that's what I did for three days. I did oh nothing. Oh my God. I did nothing. <laughs> Everybody else is getting their butts kicked, right. like running around fields and doing visual basic right, so, blocks for four hours in the morning. Right. So just, That's awesome to hear, yeah, actually. That's pretty it funny. Is, it, I w to be completely honest, it is sometimes frustrating to be in that. Um, and maybe that's because I'm not like... We call them purebreds when we're out there. Like, I'm not... I wasn't raised a blue On the devil. BD, like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? So, like, there's that part of me that kind of enjoys... You're getting, like, getting angsty. My butt like, oh, my gosh. And I yeah. like working hard. And I like... Not that they don't work hard. They certainly work hard. But anyway, I get what you're saying. Me yeah. sitting on the ground for that long... That extended period of time starts to make me feel like I'm wasting my time mm -hmm. and that another drumline is getting better than me and that there's going to be consequences for this and we're not going to... You know, whatever, all those things. But at the same time, you guys are all so much more experienced... They're having to work that much harder potentially because they have less experience sure. and yeah. less talent. And that kind of makes me like realize too, or not realize, but just makes sense with a lot of the things that you see with maybe early season BD videos We're of back. like in the lot. It's like so bad. It it's makes awful. a lot of sense now. It really and we, does. And we like 
and be like, we could have been better if we were driving. Right. Well, <laughs> it, and it is frustrating because at that level, you don't want to play dirty. And we know yeah. we'll be in lots and it sounds like trash. And it's just yeah, like, you, it sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll lose to Vanguard a bunch and it's it's annoying. <laughs> and it's, you know what I mean? And it's one thing to, to, to feel like you did your best and then someone just bested you. And it's another thing to feel like this is nowhere close to how good we should be. This like, is, you know, we're, come this, see us in three weeks. Right. Please. This is embarrassing. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So, and, it, but it is big always it is big picture and it's it's of they use every day of the summer and you do not peak until finals night like they'll they'll tell you that and they it's it's certainly the case like and the same thing for their um, willingness to change visual responsibilities is the case for musical ones like if there's a part that Scott doesn't like or Dave Glide doesn't like or whoever's in the front listening and they think it could be different we'll change it. No matter when it is, we'll change it. Could we'll be change like it. semifinals day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know specifically if we ever change anything semifinals day, uh, but it pushes it close. It pushes it real close, like finals week certainly. Like we're they plenty just, familiar with that yeah, finals was, week. Yeah, we we, we, we learned. I don't know if you know this. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. We relearned two thirds of our drill four days before finals. Yeah, yeah. The one, whole second and third division. movement. Whatever. It's better. Right. <laughs> but but it's. I mean, it's. That's cool, though. It's. I think it's cool because uh, most of the years that I marched devs, I felt like the placement was actually in my hands or was in mm-hmm. the membership's hands, and they're in this activity because of the severe role that designers play in the score. There's so many times where, I mean, I feel like everyone has had a season where you're like, I could play this flawlessly, and it won't matter, and we are not going to win, and we are not going to beat this group because yeah. the show's not what it sh- the show's not better. Yep. You know what I mean? And they know that. I've experienced that. Right. And so they do. It it puts you as a performer, I think, in a harder situation because you're not going to get as many reps as other people will, but it also makes you realize like if we do this, we're going to pull it off. Like if yeah. we can just do it well, it's going to work. Yeah. So, and that's kind of comforting. Well, that's cool. That's a completely that's unique very it's a, yeah. That's very eye-opening because I I knew a couple of those things already, but I didn't know that about the audition process. I didn't know how spring training, because I wanted to ask you about spring training, like what, because they don't house you either. You stay in like apartments, right? They don't, right? they don't. Yeah, you have to get your own housing, which is fun, but expensive. Getting a one-month lease in California is not I'd cheap. I'd imagine. It's not cheap. I, I know Dean's told us like they just shove like, like 20 people, people in an apartment. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think by last summer we had like 25 or 26 people in a three or four bedroom house. Good Lord. <laughs> but you just, whatever, you're you ready pick, for drunk pick, life pick, anyway. You pick so. your spot in the right. house. And that's like but I will there. say, back to the freedom thing, it is nice to finish a rehearsal and go home. And to just a house do, or an apartment. Well, again, you just do what you want. You're like, well, people We can go bring, see a movie. We right, can go... people will bring a TV and an Xbox or something. People yeah. Or people are playing video games. And like, it's for five or ten minutes at a time, which seems inconsequential but like you're like i'm not doing drum corps you're right de-stressing so. right exactly i'm not you're sleeping in a off. dorm room in spring training somewhere right. or i'm not like on an air mattress or a cot in some gym somewhere yeah, exactly like, and it's it's important i think to get away it's important to give your because at the same time that like from the mental standpoint of the complexity of the summer like you get so in there that your emotions and your mental standpoint is at this all-time high and you just you think and act in a way that you never would if you just had a little more perspective like yeah. if you could just zoom out a little bit and be like, this isn't actually that bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just don't yeah. get it. If you don't get your time to like decompress and back away, you don't get it. So you're then just, you just still get, mad. You just get lost. Yeah. Like yeah. some, some ridiculous thing will happen. Like someone accidentally steps on your shoe and it's like nothing. And then in the heat of the summer, it's like, it could it's be more of a problem. Yeah. And it's just, you know what I mean? And it really is just like, I mean, I've, Anyone who's marching on course certainly experienced something yeah. like that. Yeah. Just, Tensions get high. You, you're yeah. around everyone every day, right. all the time. And, and it's you, usually for completely irrelevant reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's actually... Very insightful, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so now I guess we'll segue back into current things. Uh, you're teaching at Crossman. You're doing some stuff with uh, System Blue, right? Mm-hmm. And then also you got the Marching Arts Society mm-hmm. that you've got going on. Um, we'll do Crossman. We'll do it in that order. Crossman, System Blue, Marching Arts. So you're teaching Crossman. You spend a little bit of time with them. How's that kind of first teaching, I guess, experience on the other side of things? Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, um, I was there for two weeks, first two weeks of move-ins, <clears throat> and then I'm doing the uh, Midwest tour and then finals week. Uh, I think that the most interesting part of it for me was that I was just going to an organization I'd never been before. Like, march a bunch of drum corps, uh, but organizations take on certain personalities, uh, and I didn't know what that was going to be. I mean, I know the staff. Josh Brick, he's a caption head there. I've been learning from him at RhythmX for six years, so I'm very familiar with his teaching style and his pedagogy and things like that. But I had no idea. I, was, I really didn't have any idea what I was in for. So going there, I mean, I was very satisfied with everything. Coming from back to the Blue Devils topic, I, I think I hold treatment of members, you know, food, education, things like that, all of those to a very high level, and I have very high expectation for it. Uh, and I didn't know what that was going to be like at Crossman. And honestly, it was... it better than I could have ever imagined. Like, yeah. Um, because you know, they, they went there when I say they, I mean like, uh, Andrew Markworth, the whole, were the next crew. They went there in 2015 with the desire to build a program, to make it whatever it could be, the best it could be. Um, and my angle on that is going back to what we talked about before, recruiting treatment, the thing that brings in the talent, stuff like that. Um, and also retain that. Talent. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I was worried that we were going to work as hard as we could all summer to teach the drumline to the best of our ability and, and write a good show. And then we were going to have people leave or not show up because the food wasn't good enough or for whatever reason like that. But it was great. I mean, the food is great. Um, the best part about that organization, my experience there so far is that they are very open to change and they want to better themselves. Um, you know, we had talked about how there's stigmatisms and maybe some drum course could potentially be set in their ways. And I did not feel that, which was awesome. That's good. And I'm sure that's, I'm, I'm sure that's one of the main reasons that, uh, Andrew and his whole crew and Josh and all of them chose to go there because I know that that's a similar mindset that they subscribe to. So it was great. It's cool. Um, being able to, if nothing else, just watch and listen to drum lines at that high of a caliber, because I haven't been able to just not, I haven't been able to view it in so long because I've been participating. So as much as I love teaching, it's also kind of cool to just be like, man, drum corps is really cool. Like I forgot yeah, yeah, how much yeah, fun this fun. is to just watch from the outside and like appreciate exactly. Yeah. Effort, they, yeah. Appreciate a lot. Like they, they play things and it's clean. And I'm like, man, I forgot how enjoyable it is. Like two count, triple roll. It sounds great. It's like, I forgot what that does to somebody. Like when you yeah. hear it, it's like, but it's been great. Mine's hearing someone play tap fives. It's yeah. like, mm, warms my heart. Yeah. Crossman had the best tap fives last summer. Just saying. They oh did. wow. Last summer. I told Josh that. We, we told, told him. him. We, told him. <laughs> we said it on the podcast last summer too. We told him. It was honest though. I was like, they played tap fives really well. Yeah, it's cool. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I like it a lot. The teaching there is great. I have freedoms to do what I want to do uh, while also, you know, learning how to, because I mean, as much experience as I have, I've never taught drum corps. So a lot of what I'm there is like, how do we do this? Like, you're probably still on? learning a lot. Yeah, too, I, am, yeah. I, I really am. Um, and the, the, the rest of the staff that's there is super experienced. So they've been, you know, very helpful in that regard. And it's, it's been great. It's been an awesome experience. Cool. Awesome. And so you also have stepped into your old high school program, obviously now able to give back as teaching and working with them, I guess, helping design indoor, outdoor, that sort of thing. Um, what's your, so you're working with Matt Hahn, right? Yeah. Matt Hahn's the other director. And are you guys, so you're just, he's the director and you're helping out just. Um, okay. So Jared Thomas was the director before. It's, it's kind of a, it's not as much of a cut and dry situation as it probably is at other schools. Um, Jared offered me the director job. So I took that because Jared now lives in Australia. 
Jared, if you're listening to this, hope you're doing well. And I took over his responsibilities of writing for the battery um, and stepped into some new design roles um, from the creative aspect, which is good. So for the creative team, it's me, Matt Hahn, uh, and then we hired Noah Bellamy and Aaron Bailey to yeah, help. I know about those guys. Um, yeah, so there's some of our visual consultants, which is great. The team is a ton of fun. Um, Different Aaron Bailey than what yeah, you're thinking. Not, not snare line, not, Aaron Bailey. Not, no. not snare. Not snare. No, it's Aaron. Um, uh, Matt and I are both directors. I'm there full time. Um, I also teach six through twelve percussion during the day. Um, oh, cool. And Matt comes in um, as many rehearsals as he can. He does. Um, the weirdest part was almost as a parallel to my first season at Rhythm X. I was the director of Lebanon and Marching Rhythm X. Um, so I had the exact same conflicts. Yeah. Um, which I was open about when Jared offered me the job because um, he offered me it for the season. And I was like, uh, I, of course, want to do this, but I want to wash my age out. Like, I'm not taking my age out off because you know you never get that back. Um, so we had to, we had to, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, I didn't do my I, I didn't do my, la- I didn't do my <laughs> last two years. I don't care. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. So, um, so the Matt was kind of. Matt and Ronnie Russo, uh, he works at Lebanon I know as well. Ronnie, yeah. They um, kind of made that situation possible by being there on weekends. Um, Matt does a ton of design stuff as well. So it's it's a, a very, I don't know, uh, organic process for how that works. But, um, but yeah, Matt and I are the directors. and um, Cool. Yeah, it's been good so far. It was a, a fun season for sure. It was an interesting. I mean, it's similar to how my first year with MX was. It was... I was like... Kind of chaotic, but... Well, I'm there all week. You know, I teach... I've known these students since they were you know, super young. And then it's like, we have this great week and then I go to Rhythm X and I don't see him. For I don't see him. Weekend. I didn't see one show. Let me know how it goes guys. But yeah, pretty much. Which <laughs> kind of sucked, honestly, because yeah. I was like, I want to uh, watch see the this. Product. I, I really want to just, if, yeah. if not for like a critique standpoint, just for enjoyment, like I want to just see yeah. like the fruits of our labor. The, yeah, like, yeah. 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 The payoff. And, and you guys made, uh, what, what position in finals? Ninth? Yeah, we ended up in ninth. ninth we went up, we were in 11th and prelims, went up all three nights. Eleventh, tenth, ninth. It was great. The students are awesome. Show came together really well. Obviously, next year I guess it'll be easier since yeah, you're not marching. Exactly. You can I'll definitely spend a lot more time there, yeah. which will be much more yes. relieving. It'll be great. Like, all right, see you guys. I gotta go again. But no, that's pretty much exactly what it was like. I would give. We would finish rehearsal on Thursday, and I'd be like, all right. I mean, well, I'd see him at the shows because the same Monday. circuit as Rhythm X. Yeah. In some ways, it was kind of cool because I feel like as an educator, it maybe gave me some validity because. I would teach them, but then they would see me perform. And yeah. so it was, it, I think it kind of maybe worked in my favor a little bit because it wasn't as much of a, like a do as I say, it was like, right. do as I do. Right. Like, like I'll, yeah, I think it, it's, it's kind of nice to teach through example in that, in that regard. And it also put some pressure on me because you know, they're smart, they're world-class ensemble. So like I have a, you know, a little fudge in a show or I fumble something and like, I'm going to hear about it on Monday. And, like, <laughs> they're going to keep me honest. And like, it's, I mean, it's all in good fun. I'm, I'm glad that they do that. It was, it was good. It was a good season though. Awesome. Awesome. So now you've started to, I guess, dive more heavily into the marching art society, which mm-hmm. you started, but now that you're, I guess, aged out and just teaching and don't have that time obligation, uh, you've gotten into more of that, so kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, started the podcast, obviously, yes. which we can certainly appreciate, yeah, right, and respect. Uh, kind of take us through your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I, um, I mean, obviously, I had a, my passion for the marching arts started fairly early, um, and I recognized once I had made these ensembles at a younger age that I was going to have a, a significant marching career, um, and. I didn't know, like, I didn't know, like, what happens next. Like, yeah. I knew the age out was going to come eventually, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, do I, 
do I just teach? Like, do I, am I a percussion director? Whatever. So I, you know, there was this, uh, maybe two or two and a half year phase in my life where I was kind of searching for what I knew was going to come. Um, and that originally manifested itself as I was going to get my music education degree, be a percussion director, band director, whatever. Um, so I went to Capital University in Columbus, um, transferred after one semester to UC and I was pursuing my music education career and it would have been my sophomore year at UC. I started to, I, you know, I had no business side to me. That was not a thing I was interested in the slightest. Um, but I started to like develop one. And I think, uh, you know, Mike, we were talking about this before is that like, I, I was recognizing that there was a gap in, in the marching arts specifically from an education standpoint. So like if you're a marching drum corps, especially if it's a top 12 or world-class indoor drum line, like you've gotten a message from someone, you've gotten mm -hmm. a message from a kid who's like either, if it's not just praise, then it's a question or whatever, or they want to send you videos. And like, that's that as the frequency in which I was receiving it made me realize like, all right, there's a lot of people out here who like looking for this content. Yeah. Right. They're, for this well, and they love it. So I can obviously relate to that. Like I remember spending hours and hours and hours on YouTube and wanting oh, to watch yeah. it. Like I remember that. Um, and I, the interesting thing about my, uh, progression is that like the beginning, I got that spark and that passion prior to having someone who could help me manifest it. So like my first two years of high school in my eighth grade year, like the Lebanon drumline was, was not very good. Like 65th place in Scholastic A, like last, like almost folded, terrible. And meanwhile, I was like falling in love with drum corps and had no mm -hmm. idea what to practice. And then Jared Thomas allowed me the opportunity to, you know, make realize those passions yeah. um and it really is a pretty niche community the amount of high school students who are able to have that help I, we've talked about that before just within our state the amount of people like i was very fortunate that i went to a school that had an instructor that could guide me on that path had right. that high level experience of marching with people and march drum corps uh at this university went to drum with like eric ward and those mm -hmm. old cadet dudes so i was very fortunate that i was placed in an area right. but much of kentucky is very rural and separated and the quality not to downplay it but the exposure they get to knowledge from people mm -hmm. of that caliber is low exactly yeah and i think that in i mean i was born in dayton ohio i live in lebanon which is you know 25 minutes south and most people would consider ohio one of the better states band certainly not the best you know we got texas and california things like mm -hmm. that but it's not i don't i don't never viewed it as a bad one but even still there's this huge gap in education um and i think that it really started to set in for me that like if if jared and that instruction was subtracted from my high school career nothing that i had accomplished exists because the passion would have been nothing without the education so then i was like okay well um I think I'd always realized that, but I thought that I was going to fix it through being a percussion director at a school. And then I was like, well, that's going to keep my reach pretty small. It's going to keep it to, you know, four grade levels or five mm -hmm. grade levels. And I think it could be more global. And and again, I'm probably going to be helping out kids who, who don't even need it anyways, because I'm going to be teaching in an area where they could hire a percussion director anyways, which isn't even yeah. a luxury that most schools have. So, you know, there's, there's all these states where these gaps. So I was like, okay, well, how do we do this? Like, what if wherever you were in the country, you could learn whatever you needed to. And we could completely level the playing field for the marching activity. Like, going to Chino Hills does not allot you a guaranteed spot. That's nothing against Chino Hills. Those kids are good because they work hard and, and learn well, but, like, not everyone has that luxury. Sure. Um, so then I was like, okay, well, how does this work? You know, how, how do we get this education? So I was like, well, the one thing I do have going for me right now is a pretty huge network. I've marched a bunch of places. I have tons of friends who are considered the best 
pays to know people. Right. It really yeah. does. We said it earlier. Um, so, you know, it was a long process. Again, I had zero business background. So figuring out the ins and outs of how do you create a website? How do you incorporate? How do you do all these things? How do you, what's a non-disclosure agreement? Like all this stuff. I had no idea. So the, the pacing for that was very, very slow. And I was still marching and I was still a full-time student and I was still teaching. So, you know, that took a while. I think, I, I think that the first ever, I mean, I guess official marching arts society meeting would have been like January of 2015. Okay. That, um, yeah, that long ago? Yeah, it was a while. Um, who so was involved? Is it just you? It was or just me. So it was involved? my idea. Um, again, I immediately recognized the huge gaps that I had and what I was trying to do. I didn't know things. I didn't mm-hmm. know. Um, and I, I think I, I quickly realized that video was the best option because education exists in that in that platform already for other areas, um, for mm-hmm. other sports, for whatever. Um, and just like business, even it exists video conferencing course, to right. talk with commu- uh, businesses across yeah, the country. Just globalization, just different get people different access to whatever yeah. they want. So uh, there's a guy named Andy Shama, um, currently works for Flow Marching, uh, and he marched blue coats with me in 14, and then we both went to Blue Devils in 15. He's a trumpet player, um, and we were we went to school together, and he was uh, I'm gonna get the name wrong, video production, video something major, whatever title, um, yeah. yeah. And so I sat down with him and told him, I pitched him the idea. I was like, I don't know how to do these things, whatever. I can't work a camera. I don't have any editing software. I don't even, even if I had them, I wouldn't know what to do with them. Can we figure this out? So me and him brainstormed for months trying to figure this out. He ended up graduating. Nothing ever, I mean, he helped me a lot in in pushing it. I remember like sitting down, uh, Ben Kreis was my roommate. We went to high school together. We marched for the Mex uh, together. He marched blue coats. And I sat down a bunch of people I knew and I like pitched them this idea and like wanted to see what they thought. So it all moved pretty slowly. Um, and then I, after, it would have been right after my age out summer? Right. So I aged out, got home second week in August from Blue Devils, and then officially launched it in October. Um, and I've been trying to push out as much content as I can, help as many people as I can. But like you said, now that I've aged out, now that those responsibilities are gone, I'm about to graduate college, that'll be another responsibility lifted. Um, I can hopefully focus on this. And the goal is to just like, if you have a passion about marching arts or, or anything like that, that you can now learn whatever you need to. It's like just eliminate – because there are certainly people in the world who have had the passion, have the desire, and can't make it happen because they never learn from the right people. Well, there's a lot of yep, things out there sure. too that can distract, especially the age of YouTube is like beautiful but also like a detriment. Because uh, I remember when I was in high school, like YouTube was kind of a thing but not really. Like the first parking lot videos or first – uh, videos of drumlines I watched were on the Vic Firth video vault on VicFirth.com. Mm-hmm. There yep, was not YouTube. Same or Innovative thing. Vault. Yep. Um, so like I would go home and my instructor showed me these things like, hey, you need to go home and you need to do this with legatos or eight on a hand. You need to do this with your accent tap with these goals in mind. You need to do this with your double beat with these goals in mind. Working on this, listening to your hands, blah, 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 this and that. And now like kids have such a... Plethora of resources. Plethora of resources. Sometimes it would be very distracting, especially with the current trend of, which is great, of like the BYOs. Like, oh, let's just learn licks and let's mm-hmm. play this stuff. It's like, that's great. But it can also be hurtful or harmful to kids in like the quality development. Or maybe they don't have a question they don't understand. Like, I how, do I, how do I learn how to do this? How do I learn how to play flams? How do I learn how to do this and that? So I get exactly what you're saying in that regard. I, that was exp- my experience because when I came out of high school I had one guy in high school that was a cadet in 93 in 94 and he was went to Moorhead with the guys that taught Edmund drum and everything so outside of that influence our high school drum line wasn't very good and I got to a point where I did buy into that play as much hard stuff as possible my fundamentals were awful Mm -hmm. like my sound quality was terrible that's true so I would yeah it was (laughs) 
<laughs> when I got to Moorhead my freshman year, like my fundamentals were not good. Like I could play, I could grid a lot of stuff, I could play a lot of fast stuff, but I couldn't. It wasn't rhythmically perfect or rhythmically accurate. My sound quality was bad, you know. And so I had to backtrack a lot. And if I had had a resource like something you're trying to do, now Demond, the guy that taught me to drum, was great. I got my passion for the activity. He he, he taught me the grid. He taught me all these things that were foundational. But at least did, your hands moved the right way. Exactly. <laughs> Which I, I credit I credit him 100 percent for that. But if I would have had a resource like this. I think maybe I would have been better sooner. I would I would have, wouldn't have had to have backtracked and played accent tap when I was 19 a ton by myself in a practice room right, on my yeah. college campus. Like I would have done it when I was 14. You never know. So I think it's I think it's incredible what you're trying to do. I think it's a, an awesome resource to be out there. And like you mentioned earlier, we talked about this before we started recording. There is a huge hole in this activity and it, this activity is way behind well there's a lot of people out there just trying to do it on their own that exactly. they don't know yeah so obviously you've released um a number of videos so far has that content been driven by things that are just on your mind that maybe you wish you had known earlier or that people have reached out to you and be like hey can you talk about this some uh all, all of the above so one of the very first things when i because like if i had to in blatant terms what the the goal of it is that if you are a member of this, of the Marching Arts Society, if you're paying for the premium subscription, that you are allotted every bit of educational material you would ever need to make a world-class drum line. That was the goal. Like, you now have, I mean, obviously you have to practice, you need to work hard, sure. like that's not going to ever be given to you, but like, you at least have the resources you need. So, on that note, like I pulled up my computer right now, the very first thing I did was like, I laid out everything I thought someone needed to know, as a marching snare drummer, I laid out everything I thought someone needed to know to be able to do it. Like, every rudiment I could think of, every skill set I could possibly think of, and then we just started making videos. Like, yeah. go, just every single one we could. And I would get other people, and that's the other, so the one aspect of it is I wanted I wanted to get the information, but the other thing that I thought was cool, and this goes back to why I went to Blue Devils, was like, I didn't want someone's education to be limited to even me. Like I want, I want my students to question me. I want them to learn, want to learn from other people. Like, uh, and not to mention that, like, I didn't march Carolina Crown. So, like, I know how to play snare drum. I think, but I don't. If someone wants to march Crown, I don't. I don't know what that staff is going to say. I yeah. cannot prepare someone for what the, that staff is going to want from their hands, and and I don't want to pretend that I can. So. The solution to that is get as many people from as many diverse backgrounds as possible. If you want to audition for Blue Devils, there's Blue Devils on the site. There's people from Cavaliers on the site. There's people from Rhythm X, from Mystique, from RCC, and it was it would it would not shut out any part of the activity. It's cool. And then no matter where you wanted to go, you had it. You know what I mean? So, um, so that's basically the goal. Just whatever you wanted to learn from whoever you wanted to learn from, you could have the preparation, or you could at least have the education you needed. And if paired with a good work ethic and practice, yeah, yeah. would result in what you want. Hopefully, achieve well, that's that like the number one. I think the number one thing I tell students that I teach privately, like even if it's face to face, I'll sit, especially if they're young, mm -hmm. I'll sit down with them, like and their parents. I'm like, so this is what our time does. Like, I give you information, we correct things, we teach things, but then it's on you yeah. to go home and well, sit and down and analyze and work through this. That's stuff. really like. That's probably like the infrastructure of how Jared Thomas taught me. It was like he very much so reinforced practice habits. Like I practiced a lot, like on average. I mean, I, I, like at my prime before like uh, graduating from high school, like probably four and a half hours a night, like a lot of practice. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And and he pushed that a lot on me. And I also was just, I think I was kind of a freak at the time and just Ate liked up with it. that. Yeah, yeah, I just liked it. I just love practicing. All about but, it. but I mean, oh, and that's the thing that's interesting is that there is this gap in education right now, but with that there are still people who having 
limited if if no instruction are making world class drumlines simply because they practice more than everyone else. Yep. You know, and they just figure it out. I'm convinced at this point in my life and the things I've experienced, like seventy percent of getting good at something is literally just time invested. You're giving a lot of ratios today. I have? I'm just kidding. 80, 20, 70, 30. Oh, you're right. <laughs> right. All right. I'm a math person, you know, it just yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's really just time invested. At the end of the day, oh, yeah. you can have all the books in the world, all the information, all the instructors. It's time invested. Yeah, and, and I made a video on the Marching Arts Society about exactly this. And so, Talent will take you a long way, but just hard well, work even, will like, take you. Well, even like how do you define talent? Like, it's, yeah. You know what I mean? It's certainly At a combination. What? Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's like, okay, you're – you're the smartest, and I teach my kids this all the time, the analogy of having stupid hands. Like, everybody has stupid hands. Like, it takes a minute for me to explain to you the triplet grid. Like, literally 60 seconds, and most people are going to understand it. Yeah. And how long does it take to play it well? A long time. A long time, right? Long time. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, the education is certainly important, but again, at the end of the day, like... Time invested. There will, there will probably be people who sign up for this service and don't get better. There will definitely be people who sign up for the service and don't get it. <laughs> Let me just say Rephrase that. that. 100% yeah. of the time. It will happen. Chance. You know what I mean? Be because someone unhappy you, you have to be ready for that investment of time. It's, there have been yeah. people that I've given private lessons that they get better, but obviously it's not very fast because it's they're only getting better at the time yeah, when we're together. Window, yep. And I'm like, do you, have, do you have a metronome yet? And they're like, no. I'm like, do you have a downloaded a metronome app yet? Yeah. And they're like, no. Sorry. I'm like, what are you doing then? I know you're not practicing. Yeah. <laughs> then I've had students at the same time which are like, on this, like an exponential trajectory, just freaking every week, work on exactly what I tell them. They're better at the things I tell them to work on, and those kids improve at a drastically higher rate than anybody else. Sure. Well, it's I took I makes had one, sense. <laughs> I had one student that had never held sticks before, ever, and he, I think it was five months before auditions for his next season's drum line, he made snare drum because he worked his butt off. Yeah, I don't look at it as like I'm a great teacher or anything. I told him what to do, I showed him what to do, applied it. He trusted me. Part of it was I like teaching kids that have no bad habits. And like he knew nothing. So like all he knew was what he learned, saw me do and show him to do right. and he went home and did it. That's he would cool. come back better at things I didn't even tell him to practice. Like he just got yeah. better like crazy and know that it's just gonna happen. Like it's just time, 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 time. Yep. Let's go. Cool. Well we'll straight up. So what's the website? Marchingartsociety.com. Marchingartsociety.com. Are you on either any other social media platforms? Oh, yeah. Uh, all of them. Um, and we I do like I understand that I don't I don't personally think that the financial burden of of the premium membership is that high. It's only nineteen ninety nine a month, which comparative to what someone will typically pay for private lessons is it's way cheaper. Way cheaper, it's way and, cheaper. Especially um, if you think of a weekly private lesson. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. Um, but regardless, the goal is to just help people. So we release uh, a pretty significant amount of, of free content as well. Um, which is also like so the ballpark. Maybe we have fifteen public videos on YouTube right now, and we probably have eighty on the website private okay um so for maybe like every four or five uh that we film uh the lessons that we film we're gonna release one um just for the general just to see well and also i want people to know what it's like i mean most people aren't gonna want to purchase something if they haven't seen kind of what they're getting themselves into which is understandable so and so we want to market ourselves as well so we you know i've been releasing that stuff but uh but yeah marchingartsociety.com that's awesome yeah Cool. I, think I think it's great. I think it's Anything great more out there to make the activity and make access easily accessible and like constructive practice time is is, is awesome. Yep. Yeah, we got out. anything else? Want to wrap it up? Starting to storm here. I think yeah, I think we're getting stormed on. But yeah, right. <laughs> drive through the rain. I don't have anything else. Uh, but no, man. Like I think it's been great. Obviously, the insight from the West Coast culture and just that difference of 
perspective and not only just wanting to isolate your learning, but just broaden your horizons mm-hmm. makes total sense. Uh, yeah, certainly appreciate you sitting down yeah. with us, man. Appreciate right, you having let's me. wrap Thank this you. one up. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel you're watching this on. Uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash agedoutpodcast or find us on Instagram at agedoutpodcast. No spaces between the words. And we will see everybody in a couple weeks. Peace.